politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to guard our liberties to the one and only CR Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house here at Blaze Media for another terrific week of truth-telling. March 1st. The Ides of March have come. I've been dreading this month for a long time because, as we all know, this is the month where the revolution began, when the revolution began last year. The notion that any governor, any mayor could suspend our liberties and nobody will do anything in the legislature, in the courts, lawsuits, private, public, and we are on our own. A degree of tyranny none of us could have ever imagined a degree of satanic suppression of human breath, of human interaction. Lots of news going on on that front. People getting kicked off planes in the most sadistic way. Things that we could have never imagined would have happened in America. Boy, oh boy, I think we all understand Germany in the 1930s. Not to mention the fact that on illegal immigration, on spending, on dependency, on welfare, on anti-free markets, on censorship, everything. We are worse off than we have ever been as a nation on any measure. Licentiousness, you name it, it's worse than ever. Yet over the weekend at CPAC, we had this big commercial, as I call it, the annual commercial memorializing the failure of this phony conservative movement for 40 years, 30 years at least, to do anything meaningful, to stem the tide. And the more they talk about it, the more it gets worse. And the more it gets worse, the more they talk about it. And that's what I want to focus on today. Theoretical conservatism versus practical conservatism. Talk versus action. Theorizing versus results. That's what CPAC is all about. So we're going to get to that. We're going to get to Trump's speech. There's a lot of news in the legislatures. I have a lot of good guests that I'm going to line up in the coming weeks for the show. There is some glimmer of hope. But there's also a lot of news on the mask front as well. First, today's first sponsor, talking about theory... We fight back against big tech and theory, but there's something you can do practically right here, right now, and you know it. And that is to get ExpressVPN on every one of your computers and devices. The left's going to continue their campaign of censorship until we end it. One of the ways we end it is by preventing them from censoring, tracking, and spying on you. Everything you search for, watch, click online is tracked by the companies. They match your activity to your, your IP address, and they sell that, and that's how they make their money. When you switch to ExpressVPN, I did this with my computer, my phone. It basically masks your secure VPN server, which makes it harder for the websites to track you. It also encrypts your network. Protects my sensitive information from being compromised. You guys certainly need that as well. You could use it up to five devices. So stop handing over your data to big tech companies and their far-left enablers and government. Defend your rights with the VPN I trust for online protection. Visit expressvpn.com slash conservative. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash conservative to get three extra months free go to expressvpn.com slash conservative right now to learn more don't mask your children and your breathing mask your vpn from big tech now folks every year you know i make fun out of cpac every year i never go there i don't watch it except if there's one or two speeches i feel i need to watch to comment on obviously trump's speech I haven't been at a CPAC in like oh, probably 10 years or something. Bunch of teeny boppers getting together. Ooh, these good feel-good speeches. And it's like we have a man down on the field open. We have plays to make. And they don't make them. They talk about broad themes. 
And it's nothing but a Republican get-together celebrating the Republican Party. And they don't do anything. They don't focus on anything. Why do you think you don't have an LPAC, a liberal political action conference? Notice there's no equivalent on the left. You know why? Because their LPAC is every day in the trenches with grassroots movements on the ground. Now, grassroots, I use that term loosely because they're astroturfed and paid for, but the point is they have it on the ground in every county and every state following every executive agency, every legislature, every, every county commission, and certainly at a federal level, and every issue you could imagine. If there's a policy they don't get enacted, it's not because they, don't, they didn't try. And, and I'm watching this and I'm thinking, dude, it's in the middle of the legislative session in almost all 50 states. If all these clowns that were yelping and cheering there would get involved in what we're growing with our movement at ConAction.network and pressure these people on the five to seven issues of our time, we could have half the country free. You know, we have 19 state legislatures. And what I mean by that is both chambers, House and Senate, in 19 states, where Republicans hold a super majority. They hold a majority in 31 they hold super majorities in 19, and by that I mean they have a margin. Some states it's two-thirds, some states it's uh, three-fifths, a couple of states it's actually 51%. They hold the margin to override a governor's veto. And as of now, we are almost two months, one to two months into the legislative session, depending on the state, Not much time left on the clock before they get out of session. And there is not one state so far where a major bill has passed both chambers to effectively limit the governor's COVID fascism powers in a meaningful way. There's been a couple of bills in very few states that did pass by by Camerly that are very small potatoes. And there are a couple of good bills that have passed one chamber, and we've been pushing them and highlighting them. Some cases we've been involved in them. But that's where we are with 19 supermajorities, 23 or 24, depending if you want to count Alaska, because it's kind of close, trifecta government controls. So here, I mean, even Trump in his speech was like, we're going to win back the House and the Senate and the White House in 2024. It's literally like a wind-up toy. Rather than Trump being used as a nuclear bomb against the system to be something new, he's just been co-opted into the same game. Do you know how much this man can do? With I've outlined outlined the plan on the constitutional sanctuary movement in the states and the primaries that he can get involved in, and we're going to talk about that. Instead, we're tossing interceptions with Trump instead of touchdowns. But the things that could be done, and it's like, yay, conservatism. The conservative movement. What? Like, we have stuff to do, and you're not doing it. We should be busy banging away Two months into this, we should have gotten significant legislation on big tech, on election law, on COVID fascism, on illegal immigration, on crime. In at least those 19 states. But it's like, it, it, it's, it's very tepid. It, you know, in a couple of states, you could find one good bill here and there in one chamber, and a couple of them probably will go the distance. And that's going to depend largely up to our efforts. And look, I do apologize that I ha- that I didn't get this movement off the ground earlier. I should have thought of it last year, but you know, a lot of things. The, the, the part of the problem was everything hinged on the election. 
No, it didn't hinge on the election in my view, but I couldn't get anyone focused when the election was going on. No matter what, we needed to do this. So, I, truth be told, I didn't have much time to really get this off the ground. We have almost a thousand names. I know some of you might think, oh, I signed up. Like, where's the action? I'm going to be calling on you as individuals first to just, you know, call your state legislators to push various bills. Obviously, to get people securely together as a group with a team leader and the infrastructure and the proper website behind it and proper communication and and just just volunteers to direct traffic is going to take some time, so bear with me. I'm, tr- I'm trying my best. But... This is the movement that we didn't see at CPAC and we we never see any year. Man, is it maddening. A lot of people ask me how I uh how I'm able to cope with the <laughs> the stress. So for a while I've been uh you know, once in a while I'll have a beer at night. But I think I'm gonna start trying wine. I want to introduce you guys to a very new sponsor and partner with our show conservativewine.com i'm not kidding you this is very interesting we talk about creating parallel economies and any big company whatever it is if it's a wine company or a phone company they're going to be hooked in with the censorship with the fascism with the hedonism you name it well how about if i told you there's conservative wine literally that's 10 times healthier down in Argentina, Bonner Private Wine. So Bonner makes really dark red wine from Malbec grapes grown at 9,000 feet in the Andes there. They lab tested these wines and found that they contain up to 10 times the levels of a longevity and heart health nutrient called resveratrol. Resveratrol is a is Really powerful stuff. It pops up again and again in studies on longevity, heart health, and brain health. There's a lot of academic research on it. Um, the wines also have 90% less sugar, fewer chemicals, fewer additives. And by the way, if you love steak and barbecue, red wine has been shown to actually make red meat healthier as well. So it's good for barbecues as well. It tastes great um, with notes of blackberry, leather, cherry, and smoke. Today, the guys at conservativewine.com are giving you guys, this is only for you guys, conservativewine.com, 50% off their best Malbecs. And by the way, you're going to get 50% off on shipping as well. And that makes a big difference. Also makes a great gift, you know, whether it's a birthday or anniversary. Um, and certainly the best gift for yourself. So just visit conservativewine.com today. That's conservativewine.com today. To relieve your stress in the healthy way. And 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 this just reminds me again, I don't know if we're gonna have time to get to, to this, but there's every day there is more and more academic research on ivermectin as helping against COVID. Isn't it funny how there's so many natural things that God put into this earth that work against some of these ailments that the left goes crazy about, but then they cover up or sometimes ban those treatments while, of course, using the ailments as an excuse to destroy liberty and destroy the country as a whole. But I want to get back to CPAC here. I want to get back to CPAC. Nothing embodies CPAC in my mind more than the sign that was put up there. And this is in Florida, by the way. Quote, repeat offenders of the mass policy will be asked to leave the premises. Could you have ever imagined at a time we're going to celebrate the conservative movement? Not only could we never effectively muster a movement that would fight for us on health care, fight for us on illegal immigration, fight for us on crime, fight for us on spending, fight for us on the homosexual agenda, on values, on anything. But where we couldn't even have a conservative gathering where the conservative organizers wouldn't warn the conservative participants that if they don't cover their mouth and nose, they are going to be asked to leave the premises. It's like this Baghdad Bob mentality. It's this theoretical conservatism. Their brains are in the clouds. 
a, a conservative, conservative. Like, dude, like, do you understand? We, we, we are one step away from North Korea. What are you doing about it? And it's like, look, I, I know some people aren't going to like what I'm going to say, but it's just so frustrating with Trump. There's so much he could do or and we could do to direct his laser beam, his target, or his nuclear bomb onto the target, whether it's a proper primary candidate, whether it's an issue, whether it's a strategy. And instead, it's just like these random speeches with the one-liners and the lists of, of accomplishments and stuff. And we're going to take back the White House. Yay! 2024, baby. Hey, well, what about 2028? 2032? Hey, dude, who, who do you think is going to be the nominee in 2036? I mean, this is the game that has been played my entire career. And nothing that happens, no matter how bad it gets, no matter how harmful and destructive to our liberty and our values and our prosperity and our children. This phony movement doesn't seem to feel an impetus to adjust, to adapt, to modify, to innovate, to look to the next frontier. So the big news I was at on Friday, and you know we, we didn't meet at the end of the week when this news came out, but I talked about the 15 or so red state governors and red state senators that are up for re-election. So this particular election year, 2022, has a number of deep red state rhino governors and rhino senators up for re-election. Now, you know my view is that I prioritize going after governors because then you win the whole state. Whereas the Senate, it's just you put one person possibly half decent into an irremediably broken system. But nonetheless, I'm not against certainly going after the rhinos in the Senate either. And I noted how, you know, all these people are like, Daniel, the, the goal is not to start a new party. It's funny, that was said at CPAC 2 by Reagan in 1976, and back then it made sense. But 45 years later, like a scratched-up record player, we're still stuck on stupid on that same note. It won't work. But nonetheless, I indulged it and said, look, there is one way in my mind to significantly change the Republican Party from within quickly enough that maybe it can make a difference with a critical mass number of better patriots being nominated to governorships, senator races, and, and house races, and then and then all the way down to state legislature and county positions, if Trump would get involved and, and, and actually endorse the good candidates. And in the most random thing, and I've been I've been sending out emails like, what the heck? The most random thing I've ever seen in my life. Trump endorses Jerry Moron, Jerry Moran, the incumbent rhino senator from Kansas. Kansas, we're going to have a very good year because there's a Democrat governor because they bungled that. So she's very unpopular. You have a Democrat president. So in a state like Kansas, there's really going to be a lot of blowback. It's a good time to run conservatives. And like, I was like, what? Like the guy's not, there's no, it's not even like he has a primary challenger yet. I could think of so many patriots that are on the cusp of running and want to run against rhino governors, and they so badly need Trump's support, and he could make such a difference, and he randomly plucks out a rhino. Now, you might think, all right, Daniel, this is a rhino that backed Trump. You know, and you have a couple of those guys. They're rhinos in the issues, but they surrounded themselves with Trump's personality, so you know they, they did that to protect themselves. The, Jerry Moran literally said it was reprehensible that Trump didn't... Uh, um, I forgot the wording he used, but like criticize or disentangle himself from the January 6th attack quickly enough. And he basically said, yeah, he criticized him for not immediately discouraging the reprehensible behavior. And then he voted to certify the election. He said there was no voter fraud. So I'm saying it's not like the guy, you know, you know, you have a couple of these guys that will get involved. Like picture Elise Stefanik from New York. 
I mean, she was a rhino's rhino. She even voted against the tax cuts, total rhino on the issues. But she really, like, with the impeachment, totally became Trump. And to this day, she's really into Trump. So you say, all right, you understand he'll support her. This guy was a never-Trumper. I don't get it. You know, we went through this when he was president. And I was told, look, Daniel, he's president. He's leader of the party. He can't really go against Mitch McConnell and McCarthy. So he has to endorse every one of the McCarthy-McConnell dirtbags. Fine, all right, whatever. But now the guy's a free agent, right? This, This is his chance. And then this is not confirmed yet. But I'm hearing that in the Ohio Senate race, Rob Portman, the rhino, is vacating a seat. So we finally have an opportunity to get one good senator from Ohio. You have Josh Mandel running. Now, he's welcome to come on the show. I don't know how good he is. I know he's better than pretty much anything they've had in Ohio. He's generally more conservative. Um, I I don't want to make him a star because I really don't know enough yet if he is. And these people tend to disappoint you. But the other candidate, main candidate now is Jane Timken, the former GOP state party chair. She said, quote, the vote to impeach Trump was reasonable. And the rumors are Trump's going to support her. I I don't know what to tell you. What am I supposed to do with this guy? I can't I can't help him more than he helps himself. And we're still attached like We literally have people being thrown off planes for 18-month-olds not wearing masks. We have seniors being masked forcibly. My my mother-in-law, unfortunately, had to go to the hospital. Um, You know, she has declining uh, cognitive health, basically uh, some form of dementia, and she's starting not to eat and dehydrate. See, could you imagine someone like that so disoriented and confused they forcibly put a mask on her face? We've become Nazis in this country. In fact, we're doing stuff that even the Nazis didn't think of. And we're sitting and focused on, hey, Trump 2024, win back the house. This is like, it's a wind-up toy. Every every four years, when when they lose control, this is what CPAC looks like. We're going to win back the house. And we're going to win back the Senate. And we're going to win back the presidency. I mean, it gets old. What about the damn supermajorities and the trifectas that you have in half the freaking country that's 10 times greater than anything you'll ever achieve in Washington and you still suck and aren't focused on doing anything? So this is, I'm just reading from Trump's speech. I don't have the clip here. So he talked about how the Democrats are always united in their radicalism. And then he goes on to the Republicans. And he says, but the Republicans don't stick together. The rhinos that we're surrounded with will destroy the Republican Party. The American worker will destroy our country itself. The rhinos, Republican name only. The Republican Party is united. I don't know what that means. The only division is between a handful of Washington, D.C. establishment, political hacks, and everybody else all over the country. Now, he's right in some way, but it's not just in Washington. It's in every state, the Republican establishment. He continues, I think we have tremendous unity when you look at the crowd, crowds outside that want your seat so badly. Yeah, it's always about the crowds. They will take your seat in two seconds. I'm sorry, folks. Like, I can't even listen to this drivel. But um, they want your seat. Congratulations. Congratulations on getting in, by the way. I'm very proud of you. And that's why I'm announcing that I will be actively working to elect strong, tough, and smart Republican leaders. Show them to me. You know, there's a woman in Idaho named Janice McGeechan. She's lieutenant governor. She's solid. There's a governor named Brad Chicken Little that has turned Idaho into San Francisco. He is as pro-mask and as pro-lockdown as Gavin Newsom. There's a lot of good potential things that could happen in the state of Idaho. A lot of people, a lot of conservatives are moving there from California to escape the tyranny. I know there's some bad people moving in, but there's a lot of good people moving in too. A lot could be done there. I don't know how to get Trump's endorsement. And someone's got to convince, someone's got to explain to Trump that he could project his power much more with governor's races. 
Everyone understands DeSantis. That was the other theme because it was in Florida uh, at a CPAC that if you took Trump out of the race, you know, the straw poll they have for president, DeSantis won it by a mile. So everyone recognizes the utility of it. And by the way, again today, I mean, I didn't see it yet, but I got an email from their press team. They're announcing something with sanctions, um, like state sanctions against China for trade theft. Every week, DeSantis announces something else. It's funny, like... <laughs> We now see what we're missing in every other state. But why aren't we pushing that? Why aren't we pressuring the legislatures and the governors? And if they're not, why aren't we primarying them? Trump says he wants to get involved, but then he doesn't. And the only ones he does get involved in are just meaningless things. We want Republican leaders who are loyal to the voters who will work proudly for the vision that I've laid out today. And then he goes and endorses clowns. He brags about, listen to this, it's crazy. 120 of 122 candidates I endorsed won. 120, that's almost as good as Jim's wrestling record. He's talking about Jim Jordan. And the two that lost were beaten by people claiming to be more Trump than their opponent. Oh yeah, no kidding. In the Senate, I was undefeated in endorsements with a record of 21 to 0. Yeah, you endorsed every single rhino. My endorsement of Mitch McConnell at his request. It's all right. It's all right. He made a request. He asked for my endorsement, brought him from one point down to, to 20 points up, and he won his race. He won it. He won it very easily. And I said, I wonder if I'm doing the right thing here. But you know what? I did. I did what I did. But he went from one point down to 20 points up very quickly, immediately, actually. And he won his race. Yeah, buddy. Like, yes, your endorsement in a Republican primary or in a general election in a, in a deep red state is probably the single most impactful thing. But dude, stop aiming your fire at your own supporters. Aim it at your enemies. Jeez. Folks, I can't help the guy more than he helps himself. I'm sorry. I know it's not very popular. And I could say, did you hear Trump's speech at CPAC? Oh my God, I can't wait till 2024. I'm just going to sleep till 2024. Because there's nothing going on now. You know, if we don't win in 2024, the country might be lost. I mean, these guys are like pea brains. I, I, I really think when God was um, sprinkling like in, in a, a salt shaker the retards in this country, the cat fell off when he got to, quote, the conservative movement. These people are just dummies. We don't demand more of our leaders. And you know, everyone's talking about they were wheeling around this golden, literally golden idol of, of Trump. I mean, come on, guys, come on. He's like anyone else. You could appreciate things about him, and that's fine. You could even admire things, that's fine. But use it. Use it or lose it. This is what's so frustrating. Where is the movement now? You could get Trump's vision, so to speak, enacted easily. In, I mean, there's 23 trifectas. 24 if you include Alaska. The Senate is kind of divided there. But you could get it right now, right now. Now, right now, if we had a movement, I'm literally doing this for free. That's why I was taking a little bit more time. I don't have a paid you know, organization, but I will tell you there's a couple people that are volunteering so much of their time and skill set to, um, you know, some have even put in their own money. I was like, hey, why did you pay for that? I would have paid for it. Um, so you guys are, are amazing. But... You know what's funny? I, I was thinking the Democrats and their supermajorities, they have, I don't know, maybe trying to think how many supermajorities they have, probably about a dozen or so, you know, ma mainly focused in the North, in America's Northeast. Maybe you could include Illinois, California, um, Hawaii. Not that many. They don't have nearly as many. I was thinking they're probably very busy, but you know what? They're actually not that busy. You know why? Because they've already done everything immediately that they wanted to do. They're always looking for new things. They're never happy. 
But they've done that the minute they get a simple majority. They go pedal to the metal. You look at Virginia and Colorado. They were traditional red states. Then they were purple. The minute those states fully fell and they got trifectas, boom! It wasn't like, yeah, you know, we better kind of tiptoe into this because it's kind of 50-50. We don't want to lose our majorities. No, they were just like Hawaii and California and Maryland and, and Massachusetts. Everything they wanted on the homosexual agenda, everything they wanted on illegals, everything they wanted on COVID fascism, whatever it is, they maxed out. There's nothing more to do. We haven't even done anything yet. I mean, take a look at a state like Utah. Think about a state like Utah. Republicans there have, again, four to one, three to one majorities, a rhino governor, do you know that they go to to Sinidai, that that means, you know, adjournment of the legislature Friday night. That's it. I think they're the first to leave. Very limited. They're in for a limited number of days, and then they're out until, I guess, next January. Do you understand? Right before, last week, the health department announced that they're going to have a mask mandate until 1.5 million people are vaccinated. And even then, it's only going to be in low low transmission states. Now, by the way, just as an aside, it's kind of interesting. If you have 1.5 million vaccines in a state that size and very much focused on the people who need them, so how shouldn't, shouldn't you have low transmission everywhere? Kind of interesting. But anyway, basically an impossible metric because they had the mask mandate way before it even rose and still did nothing. But you literally have the health department that is unelected and they could legislate all year round. But the Utah legislature is in session for like a month and a half and that's it. And as of now, They have not gotten a single piece of legislation to deal with this past one house with five days left in Utah. There's your conservative movement for you. See, this is why there's no LPAC. Liberals don't need one. Because they actually do. They don't talk. They don't talk. Look, I I know it's depressing. But we got to hear this. You guys need to hear the truth. How have we gotten to a point where we could have, when, when, when I say mask Nazis, I mean literal mask Nazis. And there's nothing anyone's doing about it. How have we gotten to that point as a people? I'm sure a lot of you have seen the video, this frontier air. There are these like Hasidic guys, um, these Hasidic Jews that were on this uh, frontier airline flight from Miami, I believe. um, Or that's where it originated from. And I've seen different Stories, whether the toddler was 15 months or 18 months and wasn't wearing a mask and they were kicked off the plane. And again, you know, sometimes these things can get exaggerated. You got to see the exact sort of, um, you know, the evidence and what comes out here. Hopefully this will finally push a lawsuit. But supposedly everyone was cheering when they were thrown off and the flight crew applauded and exchanged high fives. I guess that you could touch each other as long as you're wearing a diaper. And they said, again, and this is just what the articles are saying, quote, a job well done to those Jews. Now, whether whether that part happened or not, I don't know. But I think the point is we could all believe it because what we've seen is that when it comes to the golden calf of lies with the mask, 
Nothing matters. All bets are off. Yay, conservative movement. Lots of success. We have not gotten a single state where we have successfully taken off a mask mandate through the legislature yet. The few where we have one body of the house. Let, 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 me, let me say this. Let me give you an example. You're going to hear a lot of news of state legislatures considering bills. A lot of them they're just considering and they're not even passing it. Even the ones that pass it, they're way too tepid. We don't live in an era of horse and buggy, okay? How long does it take to convene a legislature? If you have a governor mandating things like masks on a human being, it's unconstitutional, so even a legislature can't do it, but at least a legislature should get involved. We should hold hearings on the evidence and the science, right? Not just have a dictator from the Department of Health. I mean, this is something we should all agree to. How much time do you think the governor should have? 30 and 60 days is way too long. The best bill I've seen so far, I have to get a hold of this guy, sponsored by Representative Chuck Gray in Wyoming, HB 98. It would require the Wyoming legislature to ratify any public health order that would be active for more than 10 days. That, that should be the tops. And any local elected officials have to approve health orders instituted by county to, you know, boards or whatever. It would also require that the state health officer's appointment be approved by the Senate. So that's, that's an interesting wrinkle, too. That's something we should be pushing in every state. Another thing I'm going to be pushing for is, in a lot of states, it's too late already to even introduce legislation. That's how limited they were. Think about it. These states started out as limited government that they wanted the legislature to be limited only in session for 90 days and only have sometimes a 10 to 20 day window within that session that they could even introduce a bill. It's amazing. But what's happened is the governor and the health commissioner or whatever, they could introduce legislation and not just introduce it, so-called legislation, but promulgated on their own unilaterally like a king and enforce it and criminalize people and lock them up without anything all 365 days a year. So one of the things we need to push and you need to get in touch with your legislators that if it's too late, usually the last thing that's done before they adjourn is the big enchilada and that's the annual budget bill. That's where it needs to be addressed in the budget bill. So in other words, they need to block funding for the enforcement of COVID fascism, mask mandates, all that stuff in the budget bill. That's the way to do it. In the states where it's too late. So if they tell you, oh, it's too late, we'll work on it next session, that's fine. You could work on that bill next session, but you will end the COVID fascism in the budget bill. It's another very important thing we need to work on. But I want to get back to some of the mask stuff, just a couple of tidbits, and we'll get into it. Maybe I'll write a couple articles this week, have some guests on um, more in depth. I mean, we find out more information. This gets more absurd as time goes on. So obviously, there's a lot going on in this, and we can do a whole story, whole show just on masks alone. But folks, I want to go over just a couple of pieces of information you might not have seen. And... um First, I want to start off just with children. This is really where it needs to start. Again, children as young as two, even younger than two, babies. Those aren't children. That, that's a baby being thrown off airplanes. This, I mean, dude, it's not a problem for kids. You understand kids are in a better shape than they've ever been in their entire life. You know what? We're going to play a clip here from Michael Osterholm. Okay, that's Biden's top advisor. And as I've said before, you could tell he's vacillating back and forth because unlike Fauci, he's a real scientist and he knows this is garbage and it's slowly bleeding out. I mean, it, it, he said it to begin with, then he got sucked in and now he's getting sucked out again. He's saying a couple of good things. But I want you to listen to this clip of Michael Osterholm from February 25th, just a couple of days ago, where he's talking about the flu. Take a listen. There is this viral interference. We are seeing almost no 
viral respiratory pathogens today in our pediatric population. If you go look at our hospitalization rates right now for kids, it is dramatically below what we've seen in recent years. If you look at influenza activity, same thing, way below what we would normally expect to see. Now, you can't say it's just because of mitigation, because frankly, we haven't done all that well with mitigation with COVID-19. Look at all the cases we've had. So if, in fact, it were just that, you would expect to see at least some activity with flu and with the other viral respiratory pathogens. So I think there's something going on here that Mother Nature is doing across a diverse area of the world that we just don't understand. Now, folks, there's two things he mentioned there. One is, as I told you from Kyle Lamb last July, that the flu disappeared, it's natural, and it has nothing to do with mitigation because it wouldn't work against the stupid flu, but not against COVID. So that's a big lie. And number two, what he said about hospitalizations with kids. So the fact that we are tolerating this in the schools and elsewhere with, with children is insane. It's utterly insane. But you see, he's admitting the masks don't work. And he said, well, they didn't work too well with COVID. That, that's his top advisor. But I want to read to you this story. It's going to be a little choppy because it's Google Translate into English from Italian. Il Giornale, a newspaper in Milan, where basically a court ruled that they can't mask children in school. Now, it was just relief to a plaintiff that had oxygenation issues, but now everyone's going to use this. No mask in the classroom if it causes respiratory problems because, moreover, there is no evidence of its effectiveness in the classroom. A ruling by the state council accepted the appeal of two parents for a minor suffering from oxygenation problems that would have been caused by the use of the device. The magistrates, in the opinion, have the possibility for the minor not to use it during lessons, the judges also write that the documents requested from the Ministry of Health on the usefulness of the mask in the courtroom have not been filled with the TAR. I don't know what that is. Um, basically, they say the report produced practically nothing. On In part, it gave us reason because it quoted an excerpt from the American Center for Disease Control and Prevention in which it clearly stated that with the appropriate spacing in the classroom, the mask obligation does not exist. The device is at the recommended limit. There, um, And then they said an obligation, that of wearing it over the age of six, which has been established by the Technical Scientific Committee on the basis of indications of the WHO as a condition for returning to class together with the distancing. Um, for the lawyer, this is enough to say that the government has not provided proof of the scientific validity for the purpose of containing the spread of the COVID virus of the use of masks during school hours, that the latter is suspended immediately, meaning the, the mandate. The pronouncement is valid only for the applicants, but it is clear, however, that the substantial effects are refracted on all pupils of all school grade. So much so that on the magistrate's table of the TARs of various parts of Italy, um... I'm not sure what a TAR is. I'm trying to figure that out because, uh, again, this is from Google Translate. There would be other photocopied appeals waiting to be examined. So already that of Lazio last uh, December 4th had accepted as a precautionary appeal. The appeal lodged by the parents of a pupil under 11 who had had similar symptoms as a result of the mask use. From the contested DPCM reads the sentence, it does not appear in depth studies have been carried out on the instance of the use of masks for people's age 6 to 11 on the psychophysical health, nor an analysis of the socio-educational context in which the obligations for such pupils is established and almost absolute, nor on the possibility that there is a decrease in oxygenation for the lung systems caused by prolonged use of masks. How we have gone on for months like this in America where we have no lawsuit is astounding, but it's got to end now. And again, in every one of these legislatures, the mass mandates need, need, need to be over, but we need to make it a felony for anyone to force a child to wear a mask. This is sick. Utterly sick. Um, and 
look, I must say, I'm actually very proud of my son. You know, as I was recording today, my wife came in, and before my son's homeschool lesson, she took him to a local supermarket, and my son just refused to put on a mask. And he is, he's 10 going on 11, but, you know, in my family, we're all short, so he certainly could pass as younger, not older. And the whole time, no one said anything. On the way out, this Karen kind of like frantically runs at them as they're literally leaving the store uh, from the customer service department. And she says, you have to put on a mask. And my son just looked at her and yelled, we're not North Korea here, and walked away. I'm very proud of him. I didn't tell him to do that. So um, I don't know if I would have had the guts to do that. So at least my uh, education is better than what I do myself. So that's pretty good. But but th- this is the point. If we don't stop it now, it will never end. It will never, ever end. So this is the good news with that. Do you understand the science behind it? I'm going to write about this, but there's two studies out that talk about the simple math, why masks don't work. 87% of aerosol particles are smaller than 1 UM. Cloth mat face mask pores are about 200 UM before wearing or washing and about 400 UM after they expand. How much more is 2 to 400 than 1? End of mass debate, folks. How have we allowed this garbage to go on? Take a listen to this from two Yale doctors. Okay, this is a minute clip from Laura Ingram's show. Yale epidemiologist Professor Dr. Harvey Risch and Dr. Paul Elias Alexander. It's going to be first Alexander then Rish speaking about masks. Take a listen. Evidence to suggest that. Whether there's benefit or not, scientists argue about, that's fine. But to call them a life-saving measure is totally beyond the pale of anything that's scientifically knowable. I think that they're selling <laughs> vaccines, basically. Well, so you're, you're saying that the push here is to, uh, and, and you can pick this up, Paul, Dr. Alexander, this is about pushing more vaccines, like more booster shots, even after you get the vaccines, you might have to keep getting boosters every year, like, you know, other things like the flu? Yes, thank you for having me, Laura. I think I I echo what Dr. Rish is saying, and uh, the issue here is this is almost like the syndrome of you have to do or say something when there's no evidence tobacco being offered for what they're saying. Between Dr. Fauci and Dr. Collins, the issue here, I think, is there are two issues that are very complex. One, uh, this the mRNA vaccine are uh, non-sterilizing. And I think what Dr. Collins is actually tacitly admitting here by not being forthcoming to the public is these vaccines are not entirely effective. All vaccines are not equal. And these vaccines don't produce the type of neutralizing antibodies needed to prevent severe, moderate or severe illness or even death. The other issue is He's pushing masks, as Dr. Rich says, that are not in, that, that the evidence shows. We've looked at the evidence. There's not in, they're not effective and they're actually harmful. And, and it bothers me and it confuses me as to why such high-level people could come to the public and not be forthcoming. It's actually absurd and nonsensical, some of what they're saying. Well, Dr. Rich, a lot of the, the reports on masks have been done with dummies, correct? There was one study done, a Danish study, that people try to discredit, but it was the only one that examined infections in humans, and it kind of showed that it was all a a wash, correct? Well, I don't know who the dummies are, whether it's the investigators or the subjects, but the... um, the, uh, The studies just don't show much. They don't, there's not enough um, measurement capability and the masks aren't functionally good enough to show enough benefit or harm. Folks, you heard that. Absurd and nonsensical devotion to masks. Yale epidemiologist there. This is obvious. We all know it to be true. It's time we act. It's now or never.
UK academics Allison Pollock condemn ludicrous masking in schools as non-evidence-based and psychologically destructive. Parents should challenge the government and ask for scientific evidence in support of, of masks. And folks, you know, Fauci is now talking about vaccinating kids. Kyle Lamb just put out just conceptually how stupid this is. There have been over 2.4 million cases known of SARS-CoV-2 virus among kids 0 to 17. And the number is significantly lagged. A grand total of 204 have died, and, and, and that includes, you know, a lot of very nebulous deaths that were tagged with COVID. 0.008%, that's one in every 11,971. And one in every 358,035 in the total cohort. This is utterly sick. As Osterholm himself said, there has never been a better time for kids than now, given that the flu is not around. And this is what we're doing to them. We have the best year ever with the fewest respiratory viruses, and we're masking them and destroying their behavioral development, their psychological development, their mental health, their physical health for a damn lie on something that its pores are 400 times larger than the thing anyway, and it doesn't work for anyone. This is utterly insane. And then again, as I noted, it aerosolizes it more. It takes droplets that would fall to the ground, and it suspends them in the air, It, aside from the touching of the mask, where you spread it more through fo- fomites than you would. It makes it worse. Okay? It makes it worse. This is utterly insane. How much of this are we going to do for a lie? Call every one of your legislatures and say, cut the crap out. Now, later this week, we're going to have a very special guest on, Stephen Petty. He could be the top certified environmental hygienist in the entire country. He's in court almost every week as an expert witness in all these hazardous materials cases. He has an entire presentation on this. Um, so, I mean, we've had terrific, terrific guests on that are environmental hygienists, but this guy is like the granddaddy of the, in, of the industry. He's been doing it since 1979. This is the single biggest expert in the country on this issue. So we're going to have him on Thursday or Friday. Again, we're going to be doing a lot more on masks, state legislatures, what we can do. This is what it means to be a practical conservative, not a stupid theoretical conservative like everyone else in this phony movement is and what CPAC represents. I just figured I had to give you that perspective after you guys heard all this nonsense. But anyway, folks, we got a lot more coming up this week. As always, subscribe to see our podcast on iTunes, at RM Conservative on Twitter, Sign up at conaction, C-O-N, action.network for one of our state-based strike force teams, especially if you live in a state where Republicans control the legislature. But we're going to get into county issues, too. This is our time. This is our moment. Enough speeches. Time for action. Till tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening.